This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, here we are in the last week of December, and I hope all listening have had the best Christmas as possible. You know, 2020 has certainly been a test of our abilities to cope with unbelievable stress and anxiety, and I truly hope for all of us that the new year will bring happier times. Now, we begin tonight's show, Theater of the Mind, with a story from the radio series Boston Blackie. Now, I know I've given you the broad stroke as uh, how the characters were created, but just to refresh, Boston Blackie is a fictional character created by author Jack Boyle, who was born in 1881, passed away in 1928. It's important to keep in mind that Jack Boyle grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and while working as a newspaper reporter in San Francisco, he became an opium addict and was drawn into crime and was jailed for writing bad checks. Later convicted of robbery, Boyle was serving a term in San Quentin when he created the character of Boston Blackie. The first four stories appeared in the American Magazine in 1914, with uh, Boyle writing under the pen name number 6066. Now, I mentioned at the top that we've all suffered anxiety and hardships in trying to deal with very unpleasant circumstances. So as you listen to tonight's show, keep in mind that the author, Jack Boyle, wrote these stories while he was behind bars. Imagine how difficult it was for him to, A, get the writing material, and B, put all the negative forces behind him as he created these stories. And the fact that he was part of the prison population meant that he had first-hand knowledge of the ways of the underworld and used that knowledge to bring some realism to his stories. And you can imagine how thrilled he must have been when the publishers of American Magazine contacted him and said, yes, we'll publish your stories. And boy, that must have been a red-letter day for him to see the warden walk down the hallway with a letter uh, from the folks at the American Magazine saying that, yeah, they're going to publish. So, let's hear the episode that first aired in 1947 called No Body at the Door, or No Body at the Door.
going home on such a gorgeous day. We're waiting for you to come over so we can take off for a drive in the country. Oh, well, what are we waiting for? Not a thing. Come on, let's... Uh, you want me to answer it, Blackie, or should we ignore it? I'd better take it. Otherwise, I'll be wondering all day who it's calling. <laughs> Hello. Hello. That's funny. Hmm? What's the matter? There was somebody on the phone, and when he heard my voice, he hung up. Uh, you know what they say about uh, when a man answers. <laughs> oh, good night. Now, there's somebody at the door. Well, I'll take it this time. Yes? What? Blackie? There's nobody out here. Oh, but there must be. Well, the hall's empty. So look, here's an envelope on the floor. Whoever rang the bell must have left it and run. Yeah, well, let's see what it is. Come on, hurry. Hey, Mary, now take it easy. Okay, hurry up, okay. Well, well Blackie, yourself. what's in the envelope? Well, look to yourself. It's empty. First the phone rings, and nobody's at the other end. The doorbell rings, and the hall's empty. Huh. Now this envelope with nothing in it. Good. And the fact that nothing is in it means something's going on. Take the low road, and I'll get to Scotland for you. For me, hey, Ginger, I... what are you singing for? Oh, I always sing that song when I'm happy. You do? Johnny, we did that job just like Charlie wanted us to. So? You planted that evidence on the senator right under Boston Blackie's door. So I'm happy. Okay, so I put the envelope under Blackie's door. So what's that to be happy about? Hey, Johnny, you must be dumb. What do you mean? When Blackie gets a load of all that stuff on the senator... He'll have him put away. And Charlie will start running this town, and I do mean run it. Seeing that you're Charlie's number one girl, you'll probably be right there running it with him. That's right, Johnny. Then I'll be in a better spot to put in a nice word for you. Yeah, you know what Charlie thinks of me. Yeah. I'm an errand boy, that's all. Well, maybe I could change that. Hey, you really mean that, don't you? Sure do, Johnny. (laughs) Say, I've been hearing a lot about the senator... Was he ever a senator, really? Are you kidding? His real name is James Martin. He's an old-time ward healer who stepped into the rackets. He was never even elected dog catcher. Yeah, but as of now, we're electing in the state's number one jailbird. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I was saying. <laughs> you take the, the high road, road and I'll take the low road, road and I'll get the You can tell Charlie all about it. Oh, that's no way to talk. You want to get places in this business, don't you? Well? Make up to the boss. Paid off for me. Yeah, that's different. Come on, Johnny. I'll let you tell him the good news. Oh, okay. Hiya, Charlie. Oh, you characters came back just in time. I was losing this game of solitaire. Oh, no, you weren't. Put that black eight on the red nine, you got a new pile. Oh, forget about the cards. What happened? Go ahead, Johnny, tell it. Um, it, uh, went off just like you planned. Well, tell me the whole thing, from beginning to end. Well, uh, Ginger and me climbed up the stairs to Blackie's floor instead of using the elevator. Yeah, go on. And Ginger stood back near the exit while I sneaked up to Blackie's apartment. Yeah, that's right. Put the envelope under his door, rang the bell, and ran. Uh, yes, sir, I ran. Yeah, that's the whole story, Charlie. Uh, 
Blackie never saw us. I figured it that way. Now we're going to celebrate the new boss of this town. Well? Me. Yeah, let's have a real celebration. Not you. Just Ginger and me. Scram. Are you busy, Senator? Well, it depends, Dallas. What is it? There's a maverick outside who says he just got to see you. Is he one of my constituents? I couldn't rightly call him that, Senator. It's Johnny. Ah, one of Charlie Evans' boys. Huh? Well, where's your hospitality? Show him in. Step lively, Johnny. Senator says he'll see you. Hello, Senator. Hello, Johnny. I'll be out here, Senator, if you need me. It's been a long time since you've come visiting in this bailiwick. Yeah. Last time was when I come asking you if I had an opening in your organization. That's right, my boy. I'm sorry I didn't have one. That's all right, Senator. I'm pretty sure you got an opening for me now. That's all. Even if you have to make one. You sound like you're in a bargaining position. Shall we put our cards on the table? Sure, Senator. I got nothing to hide except this stack of papers. And just what do those papers represent? A detailed list of your illegal activities. Including murder. That's so. Charlie collected it, wrote it down, put it in an envelope, told me and his girlfriend, Ginger, to put it under Boston Blackie's door. That's very interesting. And how do those papers come into your hands? I took them out when Ginger wasn't looking. That's so. She's over at Charlie's place, and the two of them are celebrating. The great big nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I presume you read the papers. Uh, sure. But uh, since I'm going to be one of your boys... You got nothing to worry about. No, no, but, uh, you do. Hey, what's the idea of that gun? No! Well, that's that. Hey, boss, what's all the shooting for? I was just being obliging, Dallas. By killing him? Well, Johnny said he was pretty sure I had an opening for him, even if I had to make one. Yeah? So I made it. In him. Blackie, stop mumbling. I can't help it, Mary. Oh. It's still bothering me. The phone, the door, the envelope. Well, I'll drive in the country to make you forget all about it. Here's the car. Oh, yeah. What's your head? Uh-huh. Are you in? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe there's an explanation for all this. Sure. Maybe that ride in the country is what I need. Blackie. What, Mary? Hmm? I didn't say anything. <laughs> I must be hearing things. Blackie. Now, look, Mary, I just heard my name. Blackie, I didn't say anything. Oh, it's too much. First a phone call from nobody, then a doorbell with nobody ringing it, and then an envelope with nothing in it. Now voices. Am I going crazy? <laughs> Blackie, were you ever sane? What the... Inspector Farrell. Hello, Miss Wesley. What's bothering you, genius? What are you doing in the back seat? I saw you two come out of the building and head for this car, so I made myself comfortable. Well, that makes us uncomfortable. We're going for a ride in the country, and we don't need you. Maybe not, but I need you. Why, Inspector? Quiet, Miss Wesley. Blackie, you said you were going for a drive? Okay, drive. But before you go, I'll take those papers you've got, which will give us a case against James Martin. James Martin? The senator? That's right, Blackie. Now, stop stalling. I know you have the papers. Well, Charlie Evans called me about a half hour ago to say that one of his boys put an envelope... With all the dope on the center under your door. Oh, Blackie, that envelope. Oh, yes. Well, Faraday, I did find an envelope under the front door, but there was nothing in it. I don't get it. 
Why should Charlie Evans call me with that kind of a story? Who knows? All I can tell you is that the envelope I got was a typical Faraday envelope. What may that be? Looked important, but there was nothing inside. had all the dope on the senator. Yeah. I'm in the clear. Black, you'll turn it over, and then the sky's the limit. Oh, Charlie, that's the way I like to hear you talk. <laughs> uh, I'll get it. Okay. Oh, you take the highway. Hello. Yeah, yeah, this is Charlie Evans. Who? Oh, hello, Senator. Senator? No, no, you must be mistaken. I wouldn't do a thing like that. You What? You're shaking. Well, what happened? What did the senator want? Johnny slipped those papers out of the envelope and turned them over to the senator. Why, oh, that dirty, no-good, double-crossing, tin-horn crook. I didn't say that. And I said I'd put in a good word for him. Now, forget about Johnny. we got to get out of here before the senator comes calling. The senator's coming over here? Yeah, yeah. And he isn't coming for our vote. Start packing that small suitcase. Well, what'll I put in? Well, there? put it... Oh, forget it. We just better scram or we still can Come on. Oh, Charlie, I'm scared. Oh, so am I. Hey, what what's your rush, Charlie? Well, You're going someplace? Close the door, Dallas. Sure enough, Senator. Hey, how'd you get here so fast? Tell him, Dallas. We don't want them wondering, do we? I reckon not, Senator. No, we don't. You see, Charlie, there's a phone booth in the lobby. Gosh, so you're the Senator. That's right. Uh, I think you wanted the Golden Club. That was from a distance. Oh? Charlie, why didn't you ever tell me the Senator was so handsome? Well, I'm afraid Charlie has been telling the wrong things to the wrong people. Oh, and Charlie never told me nothing about you. That was his mistake. And I've seen Dallas here at the Golden Club, and he never told me he worked for such a swell boss. Thank you. I go to the Golden Club all the time. Uh, say, Senator, we come up here to take care of something. You're right, Dallas, and time is precious. You said it. So, uh, goodbye, Charlie. No, no, no! Ah, he deserved it. I'm glad you agree. Imagine trying to pull a deal like that on a nice guy like you, Senator. Why, my dear, this adulation is very pleasing. (laughs) I wish I had more time to hear it. Oh, Senator, why don't you take me along with you? You're my type. We could have such a lot of fun. Somehow, Dallas, I didn't believe a word she said. And now, back to Boston Blackie. Charlie Evans, small-time racketeer, plans to take over from James Martin, kingpin crook known to the underworld as the Senator. Charlie sends his stooge, Johnny, to Blackie's apartment with an envelope containing a detailed account of the senator's activities, hoping that Blackie will get to work on the senator and put him in jail. At the same time, Charlie calls Inspector Faraday and tells him that Blackie has the evidence. However, Johnny double-crosses Charlie, brings the papers from the envelope to the senator, who kills Johnny. Then the senator and his sidekick, Dallas, Killed Charlie and Charlie's girlfriend, Ginger. As we return to our story, 
Inspector Faraday and Blackie, unaware that any of these murders have happened, are on their way to the target. Faraday, why'd you insist on taking your patrol car? Well, because I want this visit of Charlie Evans to be official, Blackie. Oh. He said he could prove murder against the senator. That's all I wanted to know. I see. Okay. And just to clear up something else that may be bothering you, genius, I was the one who called your apartment before and then hung up before you answered. What was the idea of that? Well, Charlie Evans had called me about sending that dope on the senator to you. I just wanted to check with you. Well, what made you hang up? Well, I decided to come to see you instead. Calling car 42. Calling car 42. Inspector Faraday, car 42. Go ahead. The body of Johnny Hastings has been found in an empty lot on Schuyler Street. Uh-oh. Two bullets through heart. Two bullets. Body discovered and identified by Patrolman Sampson. That is all. Have the coroner and the lab boys get to work on it. I'll be back at headquarters within a half hour. Johnny Hastings? Mm-hmm. He was one of Charlie Evans's boys. It was, that's right. Let's uh, collar Charlie and uh, tie this thing together. <laughs> Surprise, Charlie Evans, Blackie. Okay, Barry. Here's the apartment. All right, come on, let's go. Well, looks like Charlie has already been surprised. Yeah. Who's the dame on the floor next to him? It's Charlie's girlfriend, Ginger Larkin. Oh, the dame that's always singing Loch Lomond, huh? Well, her singing days are over. First Johnny, Charlie's henchman, now Charlie himself, and his girlfriend. Looks that way. Blackie, who did it? The senator, I imagine. And this is what must have happened. Yeah, tell me. Johnny delivered that envelope to me, but he removed incriminating papers and tried to swing a deal with the senator. Swing a deal? The senator killed Johnny, destroyed the papers, and then took care of these two. That's a great theory, Blackie, but how do we find the senator? How do we prove he did it? That's my department. Give the press and radio the news about Charlie's murder, but hold off any announcement on Ginger. What for? I'll have the senator in jail in 24 hours. You will? In 24 hours? You're not kidding. That'll be the day. Blackie! Mary, what are you doing in the car? Well, since we weren't going driving today, I thought I'd do the next best thing and just sit in the car and wait for you. <laughs> well, move over. I want to talk to you. Okay. And Evans is dead, and so is his girlfriend Ginger and a stooge Johnny. Oh, no. Three murders? Blackie, why? The old, old story of gangland double-cross. Oh, who did it? I think it was the senator. You think? Isn't there any evidence? No. The senator's boys could give him a hundred phony alibis. Mm. I've got to find the senator and force him to make a break. Oh, well, how do you do that? I need your help, Mary. Well, how can I help? You're about the size of Ginger. G- and with a lot of makeup, I can make you look a little like her. Well enough, at least, to pass the dark, anyhow. Well, now, why should I have to look like anybody else? Faraday is holding off the announcement of Ginger's murder. Yeah? Now, I'm going to make you up to look a little like her and then drop you off at the Golden Club. Hey, that's a dive in the tough end of town. I know, but where the senator's boys hang out. But there's nothing to worry about, you understand? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be around someplace. Well, I should hope so. Oh, another thing. Oh, great. Ginger is known as the Loch Lomond girl. Yeah? She's always singing it. So, you sing it. I want the senator's boys to think you're Ginger and that you're alive. And if they think you're Ginger, my job will be a snap. (laughs) 
Stop polishing those glasses behind the bar and take care of a customer. What you trying to do, make the Golden Club look classy? Customers are all taken care of, Dallas. I mean me. I'm waiting. And I'm polishing. Hey, now look, you. I'm the senator's right-hand man from now on. You got to talk to me with respect or there'll be a new bartender here at the Golden Club. Ah, go back to Texas. Learn how to be a cowboy. Stop riding me. Park and rope and brand you with no trouble at all. How about a demonstration? Sure. How's this for a start? Oh. There you go. Oh, my God, him up. Uh, let me let out. Oh, I'll tie him. Give him a talk, Let's see what the boss has to say about this. Go ahead. Tell a teacher. Maybe you'll keep me after school. Blackie, I'm scared. Relax, Mary. I've got every angle covered. Yeah, well, I hope so. Now, remember what I told you. Yeah, let's see. Uh, when I walk into the Golden Club, I, I don't uh, say anything to anybody, but I, I I send a request to the piano player, only I keep my face away from him. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ginger and he were good friends. Uh-huh. I get it. Don't forget now. Yeah. His name is Sam. Sam. Harley told me that. Okay, well, now, I don't look at him, but I ask him to play Loch Lomond. So far, so good. And then I I, uh, I walk to one of the tables in the shadows, and I, I sing along with him. Great. Uh-huh. And uh, remember, if my plan is to work, yeah. somebody has to tell the senator Ginger is still alive. Yeah. Then I'll get him dead to rights. Check that stuff in Charlie's room. What do you mean, no fingerprints? Oh, just Charlie's and Ginger's. Oh. Okay, call me back. Come in. Inspector. Yeah, well, Matt, this one is it. You wanted that ballistics report? Here it is. Thanks. Um, Inspector. Hey, hold it a second. Let me just read this. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, what is it? Um, how come Boston Blackie's been keeping out of this case? Oh, he's in it all right. Up to his ears. But I, uh, I haven't seen him around headquarters here. Well, you see, Matthews, it's like this. Yes, Inspector? Yes, Inspector. Blackie, as usual, thinks he's going to catch our killer all by himself. Oh? He doesn't think he'll find him here. Does oh. that answer your question? Oh, uh, sorry, Inspector. I, I didn't mean to say the wrong thing. Uh, forget it. I'm just snapping at you because I realize Blackie is right again. What do you mean? This ballistics report. Well, what about it? According to this, all three people, Johnny, Ginger, and Charlie, were shot by the same gun. Which yeah. makes it look like one man did all three jobs, which oh. is what Blackie has been saying all along. Well, does Blackie know who it is? Doesn't Blackie always? <laughs> Hey, uh, it's Ginger Way. We're keeping you, sir. What do you know? She walked right by me. Table for one lady? Uh, yes, uh, against the wall. Uh, this way. This table all right? Fine. Just fine. Uh, oh, thanks. Uh, what do you have? Uh, will you uh, tell Sam to play me Lock Loman? Yes, ma'am. Hey, Sam, I got a request. Now that's what I'm here for. What'll it be this time? Uh, Lock Loman. Lock Loman? Is Ginger here? Yeah, I think it's her. She's sitting at that table against the wall. Where? Hey, lighting that cigarette. Oh, yeah. 
Hey, Ginger, I'll play it. You sing it. Okay. You take the high road and I'll take the low road. Hey, what is this? What's the big idea banging my piano, Dallas? You aiming for trouble, Sam? No, just playing a request to customers. Yeah, you know that's Ginger's tune. Sure, a Ginger asked for it. You're a lying critter. Take your hands off me. There she is at the table against the wall. Where? Look, look. You look like you've seen a ghost. Don't say that. i got to make me a phone call. Well, you'll have to wait, Brad. Someone just walked into the booth. Why are you so interested in Ginger? Hey, Sam, play that tune. Sure, Ginger, sure. You take the hard road. Ginger singing. I gotta get out of here. Ginger singing. Senator. 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 Open up. What is the meaning of this, Dad? Quick, let me in. I thought I told you never to come upstairs to this office. You're to call me from the phone booth downstairs in the Golden Club. It was somebody using the phone. Well, you should have waited. Now, what was so urgent? Senator, I've just seen a ghost. The name is Ginger. What are you saying? Ginger just walked into the club downstairs. Well, that's impossible. She's dead. Yes, Senator, I saw you kill her. At there. least I thought you killed her. She must be an imposter. It's a trick. No, no trick, Senator. She just asked Sam to play Lock Loman. That's her song, and she was singing. I don't believe you. Why don't you check? I will. And for your sake, Dallas, I hope you're wrong. Yeah? Put the piano player on. Yes, sir. Sam, Sam, for you. You're a nickel, you talk first. Sam, this is the senator. Oh, yes, sir. Dallas is telling me that you've been playing a young lady's request. Who was the girl? It's Ginger, you know, the Loch Lomond girl. Thank you. What did he say? He confirmed your report. What do we do now? It's obvious. Apparently, I didn't kill her. So you do the job. You know, Dallas, I'd hate to think of seeing your ghost walking around someplace. I can take a hint, Senator. I'm going. Good. Wrong, you're saying. What, what the? Hey, your boy's some black. Right. I'll take that gun from you. Come oh, no, in. you. That takes care of Dallas. Yes, it does. Now, Senator, I'll take your gun. I couldn't give you the whole gun, Blackie, but you can have a bullet. I don't accept gifts from strangers. Now sit down. You, you've invaded my office, attacked my assistant, and forcibly taken my gun. What's the meaning of this? I followed Dallas from the cafe, and I've been listening outside your office since Dallas came in. You what? That's right, Senator. You're through. I knew if you were told Ginger was alive, you'd talk. I never knew a senator who wouldn't. <laughs> Now, here is a preview of what happens next week. Hold still, Let go of me, will you? Let go! Hold his arms, Homer. No, tight up. That's right. Okay, Count, I'm holding Smitty's arms. What do I do now? You don't do anything. I do it. There. Hey, Count, why are you hitting Smitty? Because he's a stupid, blundering fool. What'd you do, Smitty? Bring the Count some flowers, make him sneeze? It has nothing to do with that. I sent him to see a customer. There was somebody else in the room, and he started to tell her about our stock venture. And that somebody else was Boston Blackie. Boston Blackie? She called him Blackie. But maybe it wasn't the same guy. I never seen Boston Blackie. I've been out of town for five Silence. years. Silence! There's only one Blackie. 
That was bad enough, but you ran away. You left that stockage in her house. That was unpardonable, unpardonable. No, Count, no. Step away from him, Homer. No, don't shoot, please, don't shoot. Don't. He's dead, Count. Yeah. What do we do now? Take care of Boston Blackie. Permanently. Some of the hot rod boys are in town. There's Killer Monahan. No. Torpedo Thompson. No. You got somebody special in mind for this job? Yes. Just a minute. Come in, Olivia. But of course. But they. <laughs> and she, she's got to take care of Boston Blackie. What's the matter? Don't you think I can take care of Boston Blackie? Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. One of radio's most famous, popular, and long-lasting comedies, Fibber McGee and Molly, was the creation of married performers and former vaudevillians Jim and Marion Jordan. A Fibber told the story of a middle-aged, middle-class, married, though curiously childless couple, Fibber McGee, whose first name reflected his tendency to, how should we say, stretch the truth, and his patient wife, Molly, who lived simply in a small town in a house located at 79 Wistful Vista and were regularly visited by a wide assortment of friends and neighbors who dropped by to chat. Equal park folksy and funny, humor for the show, which could range from the spectacularly witty uh, to the extraordinarily corny found in the characters in word plays like uh, them springs are tighter than a $40 girdle after a spaghetti dinner. <laughs> Over the run of the series... Dozens of characters were created and interacted with the McGees. They were oddly named funny voice small town archetypes who ranged from snooty to so-called society ladies to long-winded politicians. Often their exotic names mirrored their personalities. The ineffectual Mayor La Trivia, the uppity Mrs. Abigail Uppington, the wimpy Wallace Wimple, and the friendly undertaker Digger Odell. So let's see who drops by 79 Wistful Villa tonight as we hear the story of the time that Fibber made fudge. Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra.
Farmer's Drugstore in Westville Vista is noted for two things. It's wonderful chocolate fudge and the fact that it usually hasn't got any. But today, the sale is on. And here, just home with a bag, big bag full of the confection, we find Molly. Our Fibber McGee and Molly. McGee, you know what I got at Kramer's Drugstore? Don't tell me you bought some of that quick-drying fountain pen ink at Kramer's. That stuff is terrible. Why is it? I had some of that on my last trip to Peoria. You did, huh? You know how you always shake your pen at a hotel wall to see if the ink is flowing right? Yeah. Well, that stuff dries before it hits the wall. <laughs> Rattles against the wallpaper like you were throwing buckshot. Well, that's too bad. But that isn't what I started to tell you. Kramer's were having a special sale. That outfit's always having a special sale. They think a one-cent sale means giving you four pennies for a nickel. Yeah, but this was a... Kramer's idea of a bargain is giving you two of something you don't want with something you gotta have for half again what you'd have to pay if you went someplace you'd rather go to if it wasn't raining. (laughs) Now, look, dearie, will you stop interrupting me a minute? Huh? Telling you something is like trying to lie on your back and play badminton with hailstones. I'm sorry, Molly. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead and talk. Thank you. I was just going to say that I bought... I hate it. It's a guy that won't let the other guy talk. I know that. That's why I was... Form of egotism. That's what it is. Thinks what he has to say is so much more important than what the other guy is saying. He just can't keep his big fat mouth shut. Exactly. Now then, when I was down at Kramer's drugstore... For goodness sakes, McGee, will you please let me talk? Why, that wasn't me, Mommy. That was the doorbell. What? Oh, pardon me. Come in. Mrs. McGee? Yeah? I'm your new neighbor next door. If we should go away for a few days, would you take care of our boxes? Oh, you betcha, sis. I'm very fond of dogs. Oh, this isn't a dog. Huh? It's our cousin, Punchy McClatchy. Thank you very much. <laughs> My goodness, did you ever hear of Punchy McClatchy, McGee? Sure, sure. Six feet of fighting scar tissue who couldn't batter his way out of a hairnet. <laughs> Known in prize fight circles as the Waltz King. <laughs> Gone into more dives than an MP in Paris. And made a will leaving his jaw to the Libby Owens Glass Company. <laughs> but tell me, kiddo, what were you saying about Kramer's? You got me interested. Well, uh, this morning I had a terrific desire for some good chocolate fudge, so Fudge? Well, why didn't you say so? Don't give it another thought, Snooky. I'll whip you up a batch of fudge. The old-fashioned kind. Oh, please, McGee. You don't have to make me any fudge because I... Your wish is my command, madame. You says you were hungry for fudge, so you get fudge. Alan, what do I need to make fudge? Cocoa? Eggs? Eggs? No, no, don't need eggs. Hand me the phone. I got to call the grocery. Here, but now listen. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me Jimmy Sales grocery and meat. Mark my words, it's her. Who? Mert. <laughs> How's every little thing, Mert? Yeah. What's say, Mert? Your married sister. In an interesting condition, eh? Ah, isn't that nice? No, 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 no. She was studying ballet and got her foot caught behind her neck. <laughs> What's Mert? Yeah, yeah, the grocery store. Thanks. Hello, sales grocery. Herbert McGee speaking. I just called to order some eggs, but I happen to think you don't need eggs to make fudge, so forget the whole thing. <laughs> well, here we go, laughing and scratching. Come on out in the kitchen, baby. McGee, for the last time... But it time... probably won't be the last time, Tootsie. When you fling a fang into this fudge I'm going to make, 
You'll realize why the chief of the Waldorf is a man. That's pronounced shaft, dearie. It is? Well, when I was in the Army, I cooked a mess of baked beans for the commander-in-chief. That's and... chief. <laughs> I cooked a mess of beans for the commander-in-chief that were so wonderful, he wanted to know the name of the chief that cooked them. Chef. The chef that cooked them. So I tells the commander-in-chief, I said... Chief. <laughs> Where's the saucepan? <laughs> ah, here we are. Those are frying pans, McGee. So what? Didn't you ever eat any fried fudge? <laughs> frying brings out all the delicate... Hey, 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 hey. What are we keeping this thing for? That's a colander. Well, it's full of holes. <laughs> I only want the best equipment in any kitchen of mine. Throw that thing out the window. Certainly. Thanks. <laughs> now then, a double boiler. Why a double boiler? I always boil my fudge twice. Uh, now, let me see. Salt, pepper. Billy Mills is the orchestra, and it's got to be this or that. Look at that rich brown color. Yep, like the back of an old boxing glove. <laughs> Boy, get a load of that smooth, creamy consistency. <laughs> this stuff is going to turn out to be pure velvet. Yes, one bite and you have a long nap. <laughs> it turns out as good as I expect, I might put it on the market. Trivers fine fudge. Oh, my. I can just see the billboards. Feeling foul, folks? Why fret, humor, fuss? <laughs> Feed your face with a fistful of Fibber's fine fudge. <laughs> If feeling low with work and drudgery, drop in on Fibber's fancy fudgery. Ah, that's great. Great. 
I'll make the name of Fibber McGee anonymous with fine candy every place. You uh, mean synonymous, dearie. Hmm? It starts with a sin, and if you think I'm whistling Dixie, you're tone deaf. <laughs> I'll have my fudge in every drugstore in the United States. Bye, George. I'll... Come in. Oh, it's here, Latrivia. Out here in the kitchen, Your Honor. Oh, hello, Molly. Hello, McGee. Hi, Latrivia. Have a chair and watch a master confectioner confect a confection. <clears throat> what witch's brew are you concocting there, McGee? If you're working on synthetic rubber, don't go any further. A set of tires that smelled like that which set the automotive industry back 75 years. He's making fudge, Your Honor. Oh, fudge. What was that last crack, Latrivia? I merely said, oh, fudge, indicating that I had, with my usual perspicacity, grasped the situation. Oh. Uh, may I make a suggestion? Certainly, Mr. Mayor. Well, every time I drop in for a friendly chat, we seem to conclude with some unseemly conversational brawl. Now, let us for once not get into an argument. Oh, it's okay with me, Latrivia. I'm a peaceful citizen. I can get along with anybody. Well, now, isn't that nice? Ah, splendid. People who go around with chips on their shoulders... Just leave my father out of this, Latrivia. That's... Your father? What did I say about you? His father was a carpenter, Mr. Mayor. And just because an honest cabinet maker has a few chips on his shoulder doesn't give you... Oh, I was speaking in a rhetorical sense, McGee. I certainly did not mean actual chips. You mean my father used phony chips? (laughs) Now, just a darn minute, Latrivia. There's no more honest people in the world than carpenters. And I, I didn't say a word about carpenters. You brought that up. No, he brought McGee up. He... I mean, a, a, an honest chipper, a, a carving honest sir. Uh, when a man has a chip on his father... Stop shouting at my wife, Latrivia. I was not shouting! I was not shouting at your wife. Well, who were you shouting at, Mr. Mayor? At your husband. Speak up, Latrivia, speak up. <laughs> if you got anything to say, out with it. Quit mumbling. I... I was only trying to... When I attempted... I was hoping that for once we... McGee, don't you like me? Why, of course he likes you, Mr. Mayor. You're a fine chap, Latrivia. Inclined to fly off the handle now and then, like a cheap hatchet. But a fine chap for all of that. Thank you. Then, before I leave, may I tell you something I have never said to anyone else? Why, of course, Your Honor. What is it, old man? Simply this, McGee. You have dripped that horrible mess of fudge all over the front of your shirt and pants. And on you, it looks good. Do you suppose he doesn't like carpenters? Just a frustration, I'd say. Probably wanted to be a carpenter himself and couldn't. Because yeah. he always puts the wrong construction on everything. Yeah, that may be. Yeah. Oh, McGee, you've spilt that stuff all over the floor. Ah, so what? I got plenty left. I made a couple. I made a double recipe. Hey, so everybody I... home? Out here in the kitchen, Mr. Wilcox. Oh, hi, Junior. Hello, pal. Hello, Molly. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Do you like fudge? Is that what he's making there? Yes. No. Am I to misconstrue that as a reflection on my cooking, Junior? If the shoe fits, pal, you can walk for miles without finding an argument. Gee, I wish you had a copy of my cookbook. Your cookbook? I never knew you were interested in cooking, Mr. Wilcox. 
Family recipes, aren't they? No, I just stole them here and there. You know the old saying, if you steal from one author, it's plagiarism. But if you steal from everybody, it's research. Well, mine's research. <laughs> now, looky here, Junior, looky here. <laughs> I know you, and I know you ain't doing this strictly for the benefit of frazzled females. You got a gimmick in there someplace. <laughs> well, there is one little device I thought was interesting. Stand by, Racine. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you see, every time I mention eggs or gravy or soup or anything that's liable to be spilled, I add a footnote. It says, remember, spilled things are easily wiped up if your kitchen linoleum is protected by Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Why, that's a very unobjectionable reminder, I'd say. Yeah, that's the vicious part of this guy's approach, Molly. He sneaks up on you like Aunt Tessie's elderberry wine. <laughs> And in the chapter on preparations, of course, I tell how to keep the kitchen always ready for use. How to pour out a little Johnson's glow coat, spread it around, and let it dry with no rubbing or buffing necessary. And how it beautifies the linoleum and makes it last six to ten times longer. And then, hey, what time is it? Six to ten. Oh, gee, I gotta go. I'll see you later, folks. Hey, 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 don't you want to wait and have some fudge? No, 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 thanks. I always thought you had quite a sweet tooth, Mr. Wilcox. Well, I have, but my sweet tooth takes advice from my wisdom tooth. So long, now. <laughs> Imagine Mr. Wilcox, an author. Ah, pata. <laughs> All it takes to be an author these days is an idle summer and a publisher with too big an income tax. Well, passing up that fertile subject for the time being, dearie. Move aside while I wipe up that spilt fudge. Okay, I gotta beat this pan for a little more anyway. You know, this baking soda don't mix in very good. Baking soda? Did you put baking soda in that fudge? Why, oh, certainly. It makes it light and fluffy. It's the vinegar that gives it that sharp, tangy smell. Vinegar? Oh, now, McGee, after all, you don't put everything into making fudge. I didn't put everything into it. Look at all the stuff on the shelf there I didn't use. <laughs> Celery salt, onion flakes, horseradish. Hey, horseradish with a dash of no, horseradish. No, no. <laughs> don't stir it so hard, dear. You keep spilling it. Okay. I'll beat it out on the back porch and whip it. I'll be back in a minute. Oh, I bought a little goat, and his name was Jack. But he got so homesick, I had to give him back. Oh, <laughs> hi, mister. Oh, hi, Athene. Now, don't get too close to me now. I might splash some of this on you. And it's hot stuff in more ways than one. <laughs> what you making, mister? What you making? Watch out. Fried, sis. And if you keep quiet like a good kid, I'll let you help me lick the pan. Oh, boy. Thanks, mister. I love fudge. You do, eh? Hmm? I says you do, eh? Do what? Love fudge. I know it. <laughs> Take a gander at that, sis. Beautiful, eh? Bet you never saw any fudge that color before. <laughs> I bet you I never saw anything that color before. Well, making good fudge is a fine art, sis. Mm -hmm. I ever tell you why they call it fudge? Oh, <laughs> no. Well, sir... Hundreds of years ago, even before one man's family was on the air, <laughs> there was a family of little elves lived in a great big forest. Mm -hmm. You know what an elf is, sis? Sure I do, I betcha. My daddy is an elf. He goes down to the elf's club every day. <laughs> no, I didn't say elf. I said elf. Brownies, gnomes, leprechauns, pixies. Elves. I mean, elves. Okay. Well, sir, one day the chief of the elves, a little fellow named Egg Duff, 
was out for a beetle back ride, and he fell off his beetle and got lost. Oh. <laughs> and he wandered around getting hungrier and hungrier till he come to a place where some human beings had been having a picnic. Oh, how'd he know human beings had been there, mister? How did he? Well, because the grass was all torn up and the trees had initials carved all over them and there was tin cans laying all around and dirty newspapers and broken glass and all stuff like that there. Oh? Nobody makes a mess like that except human beings. Oh? Well, sir, little Egg Duck climbs around looking for something to eat and he finds a little crumb of brown candy. He eats it. It's delicious. And he eats some more. Mm-hmm. And he gets so much strength and energy, he walks right straight home again without any trouble. Oh, gee, goody. Uh-huh. And he tells all the other little elves all about the wonderful stuff he'd found, and they all wanted some. So being a bright little elf, little egg duff got a bee, got him to bring him some honey, and he milked a few milkweed plants to get some milk and made a batch of the finest fudge you ever saw. Oh. Where'd they get the chocolate, mister? Hmm. <laughs> Well, they got off, no, off of the Beatles' cocoa. Uh, they, they got it all right. Anyway, all the little elves were so happy about it and so grateful to Egg Duff and got to like Fudge so much. You know what they did? Sure. Huh? They called Fudge on account of that Egg Duff spelled backwards. What? Well, I gotta go now. So long, mister. One of all the little point killers I ever heard. I still think King's Men singing Tam Pico. Snuggle up the people and kick them in the teeth. Oh, 
Heavenly days, McGee. Haven't you finished making that fudge yet? Oh, not quite. I had to boil it over again. Why? I couldn't taste the mint sauce. <laughs> mint sauce? McGee, this is going to be the most horrible... Oh, now, 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 now. Take it easy, Mommy. Take it easy. Hand me the vanilla, will you? Please? Certainly, sir. Here you are. Thank you. Oh, Yeah. That ought to do it. It really should. I haven't smelled so much vanilla since I walked past the stag line at our high school graduation dance. (laughs) Ah, McGee, for goodness sakes, you can't... Come in. Who is it? Dr. Gamble, Molly, where are you? Oh, we're out in the kitchen, Doc. Come on out. Well, well, this is a happy little domestic scene. You look cute in that apron, McGee. The only difference between you and Ann Sheridan is that you look like Bull Montana. He's making a batch of fudge, Doctor. Oh? Geez, smells swell. Let me start a while, McGee. Okay, kid, come on. You stir five minutes and I'll stir five minutes. Oh, for goodness. (laughs) Here, Doctor, here's an apron for you, too. The Tomain sisters at work. <laughs> you interested in cooking, Doc? Love it. Did you ever eat any of my guinea hen Maryland with sauce gamble? No, no, no. Never been in Maryland, Doc. Oh. <laughs> I got a great little recipe for barbecued meatballs with wild rice. You see, you see, get yourself a pig. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but wait till you try my spinach ring hmm? and my salami cacciatore. Brother, you haven't lived till you've tasted that. Now, look, first you take some dry sherry. Oh, no, no, I never use dry sherry, Doc. Oh? Always wet sherry. (laughs) The dry sherry... Now, look, boys, am I in the way here? I can just as well go out on the porch and smoke a cigar. (laughs) No, 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 stick around, Molly. We'll just... uh... Say, isn't this fudge about done, McGee? Look, it's getting hard. Well, uh, drop a drop of it into this glass of cold water, Doc. If it forms a little bead... It's ready to cool. Okay. Ah. Very interesting. Sank like a mother's heart at Willie's first haircut. It's done, Doc. It's done. Here, I'll put it out in this pan. Mm, Boy, oh boy. That really looks marvelous, McGee. That's the only green and purple fudge I ever saw. (laughs) Much obliged for helping me, Doc. You can have the first taste of it when it gets cool. Oh, no, no. It's your recipe. You're entitled to the first bite. Oh, no. You're the guest. You first. Well, let's compromise. We'll let Molly have the first taste. No, no, you don't. No, no. Why, Molly, I made this just for you. Gee whiz, after all the trouble I went to because you were hungry for some good homemade fudge, my gosh. All right, all right. Now get out of my kitchen, both of you. I'll let you know when it's cool. I've got to clean up in here. I haven't seen so many dirty pants since the Elks put on their last minstrel show. Well, okay, Molly. Say, um, come on, McGee. I want to tell you about my venison fricassee. Yeah, and I want to give you my recipe for pineapple upside-down muffins, Doc. First you take a pineapple, Uh then you turn it upside down. (laughs) Ah, dear. There goes a good kid. Two good kids, in fact. Too good to be on the receiving end of what I have in mind when I look around this wreck of a kitchen. But now to dump out this murder mixture. And put the fudge I bought at Kramer's on a plate. 
There we are. And three lives saved. <laughs> All right, boys, the fudge is cool. Come and get it. Come on. Ah, the patter of little feet. <laughs> Didn't take long to cool off, did it? Why, certainly not. I had sense enough to drop a couple of ice cubes in it the last time I boiled it. <laughs> hey, this looks wonderful, Molly. Sure changes color when it gets cool, don't it? Yes, it does, doesn't it? Ah, yeah. uh, that's as fine a looking platter of goodies as I ever surveyed with these astigmatic old orbs. McGee, you're wonderful. I told you to be okay when it got cool. Mm-hmm. Have a feast, Doc. Thanks. Uh, Molly? Thank you. My gosh, it's delicious Yeah, it's the best fudge I ever ate It's simply grand, McGee Well, I'm glad you like it, folks Make you some anytime you like That's a wonderful recipe I made up, if I do say so myself (laughs) And you know the most miraculous thing about it? No What? When it cools off, it's even got nuts in it all gone? Well, I'm just finishing the last piece, dearie. Okay. By the way, you started to tell me about something you got at Kramer's drugstore. What was that? Well, now let me think. I had it on the tip of my tongue just a minute ago. <laughs> Never mind. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dragnet, followed by Our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.